You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. Greetings, Mapleview Community Church, and welcome to our sermon cast series and our last message on getting a taste of missions for 2020. Join us now as we hear from Dr. Gene Chamberlain, founder and ambassador for Save the Mothers Ministries. Hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning, and thank you very much, Pastor, for that warm greeting, and the people behind the scenes that have made uh, today happen, Adina, and audiovisual uh, colleagues, we're just so grateful uh, for your help this morning. And um, yeah, it's wonderful to be in Barrie, lots of uh, memories of Barrie, and I have relatives that are in the in the area, so it's a city that's uh, near to my heart, and um, near to my heart also is the mothers, and I think for each one of us, as we think about the mothers in our lives, I want us just to reflect Um, on that Uh, this morning. I'll take the first slide, please. Um, So mission for mothers, that's really been what my life has been about, uh, whether it's here in Canada or around the world. And I'm an obstetrician gynecologist on faculty at McMaster University, uh, where I now teach. We've been back in Canada for the last uh, three years. Next, please. Uh, But I do want to give you the context of... um, uh, where I come from, I'm part of the Froze Family Five. My husband, Thomas Froze, there in the middle, and uh, Elizabeth, who's now 17, uh, John, who's uh, 15, and uh, beautiful Hannah, who's uh, 14. And we uh, lived in Uganda for 12 years, and uh, I was directing and helping to start a program called Save the Mothers, and we'll talk a little bit about that uh, a bit later. But we were training um, indigenous East African leaders uh, to improve safe motherhood uh, in that part of the world. Politicians, journalists, religious leaders, social scientists to be advocates kids uh, for safe motherhood uh, where they are. And I was so delighted when we left uh, almost three years ago to see the rates of mothers dying in um, East Africa coming down in Uganda specifically, 25% um, over five years. And that was really exciting. And to leave the program in the hand of an East African doctor uh, who's in charge of the program there in Uganda, as well as the uh, executive director, new executive director here in Canada, Deborah Mense, who is a woman, uh, Canadian woman from uh, West African descent. And I'm a cheerleader uh, for Save the Mothers, really, um, at this time, and, and always will be after uh, spending these 12 years in Uganda. So next photo, just uh, to update, uh, we have a new little dog here, a sheep doodle uh, here in Uganda, beautiful Zach, our German shepherd. We had to leave in Uganda, but the kids are settled into um, Canadian life, and my husband is a uh, freelancer with uh, the Hamilton Spectator that he's done for, for many years as we've worked overseas. Um, but as an obstetrician, next slide. Um, of course, I think a lot about mothers and babies. That's what I do. Um, uh, obstetrics is uh, safe motherhood, and then gynecology is uh, like women's surgery, hysterectomy, for some people who sometimes get a little bit confused what those are. Uh, but of course, I think a lot about mothers, and uh, here I am helping to train a uh, new Canadian um, obstetrician. He's actually working in uh, in Stratford now, just graduated, but here we were helping to deliver a mother, and I uh, reflect on one of my patients who I'll be seeing this upcoming week. She's like six foot eight inches. She always jokes about uh, being so tall and having this little tiny short obstetrician. But you know, she's got very high blood pressure. Uh, her baby's coming down the wrong way. It's kind of sideways there. So she's going to need uh, an operative birth, a cesarean birth. And uh, just, just think about somebody like that. If she was in a place uh, in East Africa, she wouldn't get the medicine that she needs to bring her blood pressure down. She'd have a stroke. I've seen actually a woman uh, almost die from high blood pressure in uh, in Uganda because she didn't get the care that she needed. Um, and it's really, really tragic. Her baby probably wouldn't make it either. If you're not coming down the right way, uh, the baby wouldn't make it. And yet this uh, patient of mine is going to get the care that she needs. But in many places around the world, uh, mothers are in danger uh, because they can't get that care. 
When we think about mothers, mothers in our lives, whether they're our biological mothers or adoptive mothers, and I'm both, many of us also think of other mothers that are in our lives, not necessarily our biological mothers, but women who've really contributed to our lives. How those women have physically, socially, emotionally, and spiritually really built into our lives, and it lasts a lifetime. Think about the mothers in your life. But their absence can cause a scar that can last for a generation. Next slide. It makes me reflect on the 800 mothers that die every single day from pregnancy-related complications. When I first started my career, half a million women were dying every single year from pregnancy-related complications. And I'm sure most of us in this audience had never even heard of it before. We think about the every single day we turn on the television, we hear how many people are dying of COVID, and it's an absolute tragedy. But this story has been going on for the last 60 years and has gotten almost no, uh, no attention from the international media until really recently. So when I found out about this situation as a believer and follower of Christ, I traveled to various places, Uganda, South Africa, Zimbabwe, Pakistan, worked in Yemen for five years as well too. And I said, God, with your strength and power, what can we do to help change the situation for mothers and babies? And that's really the genesis and the birth of the Save the Mothers program. But where did this desire come from? Well, I would say it came from the stirring of God's spirit. And as the pastor encouraged us even today for each one of us to think about that stirring, whether you're young or whether you're old, God can call each one of us wherever we are to his work. Next slide, please. I grew up in Toronto, a church called People's Church. My friend Mel here, we uh, were in high school together in People's Church. And this Dear old man, you'd think to yourself, wow, you know, what impact did he have? He had a huge impact on me. He was a man who had a vision, and I always remember him saying, why should anybody hear the gospel twice before everybody's heard it once? And I remember as a young person thinking, wow, yeah, that's right. Like, where, where is the justice in the world that every single week I'm coming to church and there's people who've never heard about Jesus? But then as God gave me the gifts as an obstetrician, it was also an opportunity to use that gift of healing um, as we uh, shared the good news of Jesus Christ with people as well. So I grew up at, at this church, was influenced by him and his teaching and uh, those that came after him. He was kind of a bit of a country bumpkin, which I also was, grew up near, or born near St. Thomas, Ontario, in a rural area where my folks were on a farm. But, you know, old Oswald J. Smith, he had a vision for the mission, and he stayed committed to that. And I think that was one of the biggest challenges uh, that I had in my own life was stay, how do we stay, how do I stay committed to the vision uh, that God has given me? And now over the last 20 years, 12 of them in Uganda and then five in Yemen, um, God has allowed me with many others to be partners to help uh, save mothers uh, and babies. And I just want to share with you a little bit about my journey and my experience, hoping that it will be an encouragement to you. Uh, as a professor at McMaster University, you know, we teach our medical students, we have our large group sessions, we get everybody gets their stethoscopes around their neck and uh, sit and we chat together and I hope that we can just be a little bit relaxed right here now with your, I don't know if you have your coffee in hand or not, but uh, just, and let's listen to the words that God has to, to teach each one of us. Well, of course, Jesus told a lot of stories, and I, I love stories myself. And I'm not saying I've always had all the right answers, done all the right things, uh, but I hope that some of the stories that I share with you uh, can help you to reflect on the vision uh, that God has uh, for you. Next slide, please. 
Well, I sort of see it as three stages, this vision. The first thing is sort of seeing the vision. What is the vision that God has for you? And each one of us have a unique gift, and I'm going to talk about that later. So what is the vision that God has for you? And sort of getting that started. For me, of course, it was going to medical school and all the things that require to become an obstetrician. I can wish to do well, but I have to have the tools in my hands to actually do it. The believing and the staying strong during these hard times, during the COVID. What, how do we stay strong during times like this? I, you know, I believe God wants me to do this, but you know, I feel like I'm being held back right now. And then finally, the finishing well. And for some of us, maybe we're finishing the end of our vision. Of our vision. How do we stay strong? Next slide. Well, I'd love to reflect on the uh, marathoners uh, in East Africa. I'm sure many of you have watched the Olympics and seen some of these uh, men and women from Ethiopia, Kenya, Uganda. Uh, of course, the east side of Uganda touches against the west side of Kenya. And in that area, it's very the altitude's very, very high. And a lot of marathoners come from that area, but then a lot of them also train in that area. But, you know, there's only a few people that are called to actually be marathoners and go ahead and do it and have that discipline to keep doing it. And, of course, if you run a marathon, you know it's 26.2 miles or 42.2 kilometers. It's a long way. And, and it's not just a week training that it takes to get there. It takes years and years uh, to actually get there. You have to get started. You have to get a coach. You have to get resources. And, of course, in these places where it's very, very hot and the altitude's high, boy, you have to really have the endurance to be able to get through. You've got to put your running shoes on. You've got to have that coach to help you warm up those muscles and that endurance. You know, there's no bus that's going to pick you up in the rural part of, you, of Kenya if you can't finish the marathon. Uh, You've got you to gotta get there to the end. You've got to have, have that burst of energy. Next slide. Well, some of you, if you have any uh, links at all to Uganda, will know this picture well. This gentleman, his name's uh, Stephen Kipitich. Uh, he won the gold for Uganda in the uh, London Olympics back in 2012. And here's a guy who is the youngest of seven very, very poor children in a very rural part of East uh, Uganda. And um, the guy never even finished high school. Um, but he said just before the Olympic race, he said, you know, I thought a Kenyan or an Ethiopian was going to win. I didn't think it could be me, but, you know, I just kept up with the race, and when it came to three miles, I just decided to go, and I joined the champions. And sure enough, he did. He came first, uh, first gold medal uh, for Uganda and gave that final burst of energy uh, that he needed. Uh, he had prepared, he had persevered, and he had finished very well. And my kids actually had the opportunity to meet uh, Stephen when he visited their school in Kampala, Uganda. It's a day they'll never forget. But Stephen, he had that vision to win the Olympics for his country, for his family, and for his mother. So let me ask you, do you have a vision for your life and the purposes of the activities of what you're involved in? What's your vision? What's your mission? What are you going to do? That marathon that God is calling you to. Maybe he's given you a special vision for vulnerable mothers here in Canada. I think about some of the mothers that are here. They're living in an apartment. They don't even know who their neighbors are. They have no community around them. They have no faith group that they can be part of. How can you be, how can you be reaching out to them? And I know there's a women's ministry, mother's ministry here at the church. I think about some of the grandmothers now that feel very, very isolated. And you know, you can talk to them on the phone. There's no risk of COVID and encouraging them in their role as a, as a grandmother. 
I think as some of the pregnancy support centers that we have in various cities, God might be calling you to get involved with that, how important that is. And a young friend of mine, totally not a believer, had had an interaction with a group down in Hamilton, uh, sorry, down in London that was a pregnancy support center. And she said to me later, she said, wow, those people, they were really something. And you could tell that her life had been changed as a result of that. I think of a friend of mine who had a very good job with a major telecommunications company here in Canada, and she gave that up to go work for the Young Street Mission to, again, work with young women and mothers who are touched by organizations like this. Another obstetrician colleague of mine who went to Afghanistan to work with mothers there, and she actually ended up becoming very sick and actually had to come home, and we don't really know whether it was something that she caught there or what. But you know, we think about somebody like that who gave up her whole career to go and to work with these women. And what did they put in her pocket? Nothing, but they put a lot in her heart. And that's the vision that God gives to people. And I just encourage you to think about what is God giving you to be part of his healing for a very hurting creation and to build his kingdom around the world, whether it's here in your own backyard or around the world. And as I've returned to Canada over the last three years, having worked abroad for 17 years, I see this over and over again, people, young people and us older people, looking for significance and purpose. And I think COVID has particularly really focused this in our minds. What is our purpose as believers? It is to love God and to know his son, Jesus Christ. But he has also given us the opportunity to be part of his kingdom, to see how he can work in people's lives, and deliver uh, the care and the love that he wants in the neediest parts of our globe. Well, for some of you, you may not know what I'm really talking about. You may not really have a vision. In fact, some of you may not even know Jesus Christ. And my prayer for you is that you would know him and know the change that he can make in your life. He's reaching out to each one of us, and I encourage you to reach out to him. But for many of you that are here today who do know Jesus, I encourage you to think about the vision that God has given you for your life. What specific direction is he leading you? And with this new reality of COVID, you might think to yourself, well, listen, everything's on hold. We can't do anything. But you know, God is using COVID to create ways of communicating with people who never would have been able to be reached before. I mean, I just think about the fact that I can get on a smartphone and talk to a woman in rural Uganda on my phone. She can see me thousands of miles away. 20 years ago, we could never have imagined that. Actually, I was uh, dating my husband when I was living in Yemen by myself. We used to pay like $1.70 to be on a telephone call where you could barely hear him. And now we can actually see one another in the most remotest parts of the world. Next slide, please. I love this, uh, this um, saying by uh, James Taylor, James Hudson Taylor. He says, there are three stages to every great work of God. And, and I love that point, the great work of God. First, it's impossible. People will tell you it's impossible. Then it's difficult, and then it's done. And if you think about the great ministries, and the pastor here will tell me, he was sharing with me just the early start of this church. Initially, people will tell you it's impossible. You can't do, no, no, you can't do that. Can you imagine as a single young woman, me going over to Yemen, how many people would say to me, what are you doing? I remember walking out the door of St. Joseph's Hospital, giving up my job, thinking, what in the world am I doing? I'm giving up my career, and, and I'm going to you know, this place where I'm going to be wearing a balta, I'm in my head cover, the whole thing. 
lay, lay my rights down as a woman when you walk to, into some of these places. First of all, it's difficult, it's impossible, and then it's done. We've missed that slide up there, it's done. But as the pastor alluded to already, it is the scripture that gives us hope in times like this. And these verses meant so much to me from Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is on me. The spirit of the Lord is on you. Because the Lord has anointed us to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent us to break, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness to prisoners. And I can tell you, women in the developing world, in the global south, they, so many of them are prisoners. They cannot make decisions for themselves. They, they, they have no rights at all. They don't even own their own children. They don't even have rights to their own children. The, the, the lives of women around the world, I just encourage you to read more about it and find out about, you can look at our Save the Mothers website and learn more. But God goes on to say in Isaiah, they, you and I, will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And really, women around the world have, for generations, many of them have just been lying in ruins. But as God has called us to be involved in that rebuilding and in picking and getting those walls built together, it's going to be a lifetime. It's not just one moment that God has called us. He's called us to a lifetime of this kind of ministry. Next slide, please. And as I reflect on my own life, there I am with a little pom-pom. My, uh, I guess my uh, kindergarten teacher told my mother it was the kids were making fun of me, so she chopped it off, and then I got called a boy the rest of my life. But anyways, um, there I was, a little kid. And, you know, you think about the power of a little, ki of a little child, and I just saw the kids up in the little um, uh, room up at the side there, learning the power of a child, what God can do uh, through them and how he can give them the vision, but he can also give each one of us a vision as well. And I think about how God had then called me to work in East Africa, to a place where justice was less present than present, where vulnerable women particularly were less likely to be protected than protected, and where many who had never heard of the good news of Jesus, especially in the Middle East and some very close countries, they were less likely to be given the chance. And as a young person, I really felt God's spirit um, and on my life, and he's in with each one of us as well. But each one of us experience it in a different way, and we can't have a template. You can't look at G Dr. Jean and say, well, then if I don't do it like her, then God's not calling me. No, each one of us have a different uh, way. He meets us in different places. He met Abraham at the tent. He met Moses at the burning bush, and there's Saul. He's on his way down to kill the Christians, and God meets him um, on the road there. So we shouldn't expect our experience to be like everybody else's. But we need to have open hearts and listening and responsive. Next slide, please. This photo was taken actually by my husband, uh, Thomas Froze. And you know, Tom has a gift of photography. He's a journalist. He's been a freelance journalist now with the Hamilton Spectator for 17 years. He's written while we've been abroad in the Middle East and Africa. And God has used his gift as a, as a, both as a journalist as well as a photographer to tell the message. And you look at that picture, and that picture tells you what happens to children who have no mothers. So God uses each one of our gifts in, in a unique way, and Tom has been able in the secular media to, uh, to be able to do that. You know, I think of Moses. God calls him to lead the people out of Egypt. Gideon, the, the timid Gideon, to lead the people against the Midianites. And Paul to share the good news of Jesus with places long ways away from where he lived and in front of very important people like Caesar. 
So God puts his spirit on us for a particular purpose. Not that any of us are special in any particular way, but he's chosen us for that role. And he's had you born at a specific time. There is a reason why you are born in this generation. I think about, again, how telecommunications has totally changed how we can communicate with people. We can talk to people on the other side of the world uh, in a split second. Now, that doesn't mean that all of the problems and the challenges are solved, not at all, but he's put new tools in our hands in this generation. Next slide. You know, I reflect on the early missionaries and, you know, these six-week gut-wrenching experiences they had on boats. I, I would never have been able to make it to Africa in one of these boats. I get so nauseated so quickly. Uh, but, you know, you think about how God uses... Um, uh, planes and all of the new technology that we have to get around. Um, he uses circumstances and events that orchestrate um, his, his will uh, in our lives. You know, I think about my extended family and the gifts that each one of us have and how God has used us. Yes, I'm an obstetrician gynecologist, and yes, I've gone to the other side of the world, but I think of my older sister, who is a businesswoman, and her and her husband have raised thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to save the mothers. They run a big gala every year, a big auction, um, and they've used their business skills to help the mission of Save the Mothers. I think of my brother, who's an artist, who's drawn pictures and uh, painted pictures and, again, raised support for Save the Mothers. I think of my sister, my younger sister, who's a nurse at the ICU in, at Sunnybrook and has helped many, many women uh, in, their, in their times of need. Next um, I think about the, 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 the importance of a garden. And you know what? You might be a leaf, but you might be a red rose. Whatever you are, as a garden together, we don't all need to be the same. God has called each one of us uh, with our own gifts and skills to be who God has called us to be. Next. I think of a friend of mine, Dina, who uh, left a very comfortable uh, middle-class life in Hamilton and came over to Uganda and worked with us with Save the Mothers. She was just feeling, God is calling me to something new. And uh, she came back from Uganda, got more training, and is now working in inner-city inner Hamilton, helping young women and men there uh, through um, an organization called uh, True City in Hamilton. It's an accumulation of the churches there. And Dina is, is stepped out in faith. And she didn't have the blueprint before she started. She didn't know exactly what she was going to do, but she felt God was uh, calling her to that. So again, as I sort of reflect on my own experience in those early roots of my um, development, I think about, uh, next slide, um, my experiences going out with the bus ministry. We used to go out every Saturday and knock on doors, invite people to Sunday school, and what a great um, learning ground for me as a young person to interact with people who are very different than me, different socioeconomic status, different cultures, and go knocking on doors, speaking with people. It was a great stretching experience for me as a young person. So each one of these things build into our lives, and God will stretch you uh, with the things that he brings into his life, with the creativity that he has. Again, I just reflect on Tom. You know, Tom grew up without, without a mother. His mother died when he was a very young boy. He lived in a very unique setting. He learned lived in a long-term care facility with his dad and his sister. Uh, they didn't go to church. They would just watch church on the TV. Um, and here I was as a little girl. Every time the church door was open, there I was at the front row. So God brought us together, very different experiences, to be, this, uh, to be a couple together, um, being used of him in, in this unique way that God has called us to, but with different skills and different experiences. I think about my time at Pioneer Camp as a young leader just north of here, Ontario Pioneer Camp, 
and living in community, learning to get along with other people. You know, all the girls using the same shower, I mean, the same washrooms, the whole thing. Um, it was a great training ground for when, when I went overseas and I had to work with people who were from different cultures, different expectations. That's one thing when you go over as a missionary, you might be a Canadian, but you might be working with a Korean, with an American, with uh, somebody from Holland. And so you're learning even within your own mission group of, of um, different cultures, let alone the culture that you're in. And you know, we're so glad, grateful to see SIM there at the back. Uh, Tom and I were actually SIM missionaries when we were working in Uganda with Save the Mothers. But again, getting along with other missionaries is so, so important. Learning how to use a pit latrine when you're on, on a canoe trip. And you know, may that sound like a funny thing, but I'm telling you, when you're in rural Uganda, that's a really handy thing uh, to know how to, to handle. Next, please. My folks gave me some opportunities of getting some cultural experiences, getting on a train, going to Quebec, learning French for the summer. At just 13 years of age, poor dad got the time wrong. 1,600 hours he thought was 6 p.m., so we missed the train. That was the time before the mobile phone. So here I am getting on a train, going to meet somebody. I don't even know if the guy's going to be there or not. And then having to look after pastor's kids for uh, several weeks. Again, in a total French environment. Here I am, this little English kid trying to learn French. It was one of the loneliest times of my life, but I tell you, it was a great learning experience and I've used that French many many times uh, in many parts of the world where I've been. Next slide. I've always been inspired by uh, Elizabeth Elliot, and of course many of you know her story. Uh, her husband um, uh, Jim was uh, killed by the Aka Indians when they were um, uh, trying to share the love of Christ with people who'd never seen uh, foreigners before. And uh, Elizabeth was left with these three small children and a very uncertain future. And I hope that you'll take some time to read um, some of her writings. Next slide, please. But I love what she said about this. She said, our vision is so limited that we can hardly imagine a love that does not show itself in protection from suffering. In protection from suffering. But the love of God did not protect his own son. He will not necessarily protect us. He will not necessarily protect us. Not from anything that makes us uh, like his son. A lot of hammering and chiseling and purifying by fire will go into that process. Again, I just remind you, we will suffer. And when I was overseas, I almost was killed in, in Yemen. I was supposed to go to a hospital one morning and a terrorist came in that day and he killed uh, three other missionaries. I would have definitely been there. We've had numerous times in Uganda. It was very, very unstable. And um, we were just really afraid for our lives. And you can imagine, there you are with three little kids and you're trying to figure out, okay, kids, now if a terrorist comes on the campus, this is where we're going to go. Now those experiences have built into our kids. A, a whole new look on life. And all of these experiences that you're going through right now, and I, I'm sure every single one of us could write a journal what's happened in the last six months. God is using those chiseling experiences for you as you move into the vision that he has for you. Next slide, please. So our lives are not a straight line. It is not a straight line. We all want to have the straight line, but that's not how it happens. Next slide, please. I remember when I was applying for medical school, I got on the waiting list, and I was up actually in Ontario Pioneer Camp at the time, and I remember my dad calling saying, well, Gene, I've got some good, good news and bad news. The good news is that you're on the waiting list for medical school. The bad news is we don't know if you're going to get in. And I remember sitting out on that dock saying, God, hey, I thought I was supposed to be a missionary doctor. God, didn't you know I need to get into medical school to be a missionary doctor, right? Like, that's a requirement. Why am I sitting out on this dock and I'm on the waiting list? 
And so I just remember God just said, you know what, Gene, it's going to be okay. So what did I do? Well, when September 4th showed around, rolled around, I had to go back and finish my undergrad degree in biochemistry of all things. So some of you are suffering through chemistry, I understand. And I remember going back to my undergrad degree, and I had a buddy there, and her and I were both trying to get into medical school. We both got on the waiting list. Well, after two weeks, she didn't show up to school. And so I called her up and said, hey, Catherine, wait, what happened? Are you giving up? And she says, oh, I got into medical school. I said, what? And she said, yeah, well, somebody dropped out, and I've been in touch with the medical school, and they're going to let me in. So I remember thinking, oh, my goodness, i got to sit through another year of biochemistry, and my buddy got into medical school. Those were difficult times to go through. But that disappointment gave me a great experience. Because, you know, most of my life, and most of us as Canadians, we've had a pretty good life. Some, as you compare it to women in the developing world, those disappointments have been so important for me as I interact with people whose entire lives have been, disappoint have been disappointing. Next. As I think about those disappointments, though, I also think about relationships and how important relationships are as we reflect on the vision that God has for us. I was dating a fellow in medical school, lovely Christian guy. Him and I ran the Christian fellowship together, and, you know, I thought, wow, this is going to be great, you know, maybe get married one day or whatever. And then one day he said to me, you know what, Gene, we're kind of going in different directions. You know, my mother does not want me going to Africa. We left Africa as we were, we were persecuted as a family, and we left Africa, and there is no way my mother's having me go back to Africa. And I remember thinking to myself, now what do I do? Do I give up the vision of being a missionary doctor in Africa and marry this guy? I mean, he's a nice Christian guy. I mean, this isn't what God wants me for me. And I remember going to the hospital the next morning. I was a medical student at uh, uh, Sick Kids Hospital. I just felt numb. I was like, hey, God, where are you in all of this? But, you know, here I am, almost 20 years later, married to Tom Froze. We got three beautiful kids. And the ministry that God has given us together, that mutual um, uh, sharpness that we've been able to do. Tom's helped me to write uh, a couple of books and has just been a great influence in my life, not as a medical doctor, uh, but as a journalist. So, again, those disappointments, but making good choices in our relationships as well is so important. But we also need to build people around us, people who are going to be our support team. And I've certainly spent lots of time sharing the vision, my Tom and I, speaking to churches, speaking to individuals. And I just want to encourage you, if God gives you a vision to do something, to build that group of people around you as well, too. Next, please. And, you know, again, just embracing who God has made you to be. And, you know, I remember as a younger person sort of thinking, you know what, it w life would be so much easier for me if I was a man. I mean, people would listen to you a bit more. You're a little short woman, you walk in, nobody pays attention to you, right? But, you know, I realized after my first day in Yemen, the greatest gift that I had was of being a woman, being a female obstetrician gynecologist. I could go where nobody else could go. A male obstetrician, they simply could not go and do the things that I did. And so, again, embracing who God God has made us to be, uh, allows us to do the things that he's called us to be. And being that ambassador for safe motherhood um, was, was what God had called me to be and gave me the gifts and the ability and the, and the history uh, to be able to, to do that. So again, I just want to encourage you, as God gives you that vision, to, to bring others around you. You know, when I used to share about Yemen, I used to tell people to look at a, a lemon, and every time you see a lemon, pray for Yemen. And I know your church is engaged in caring for Yemen, and I, every time you see a lemon, I want you to pray for Yemen. 
I tell you, there's not a more needy place in this world than Yemen right now. And uh, we keep in touch with some of our friends there, and it's absolutely devastating. So please do pray for, for Yemen. Next, please. But it's not a one-way street, you know, as we get people to help and support us, it's really important that we also reach out and be a caring community for one another. And as you go through your vision as well, too, that you're also trying to give back as much as you can uh, to the people uh, that are around you as well, too. Next, please. So let me encourage you then. Where are you on this continuum? Are you just seeing the need right now that God is calling you? Maybe this month in missions you've seen something that God has called you to and you're getting started. Are you believing and staying strong as you go along? And finally, are you finishing and ending well? Next, please. Think about the marathoner. The marathoner has a vision. And what's the vision for mission that the Lord's calling you to? Are you getting your running shoes on? Are you ready to go for those long hours of training? You know, it took me 12 years to train to be an obstetrician gynecologist, 12 years. Are you thinking about the cost? But I tell you, there's a reward for doing it. But there is a cost. Are you gathering a coach, somebody who's helping and encouraging you? Are you getting people to be on your team to help and encourage you? That prayer support that you so much need. And in what ways is God stretching your muscles right now? Can you see him working even in these difficult times? You aren't always going to see the big picture. I could never have imagined that I would be where I am today when I was first starting on this journey. But are you, in, are you willing to show that endurance even when the rain is falling? So finally, as we close and just think about these, these things, I just want us to, again to be centered in where our strength comes from. And you know, I have some wonderful secular friends who do great work overseas, but as believers, as followers of Christ, our strength comes from the Lord. Yes, we believe in social justice, but their strength and who the value of people are is because they are creations of God. And God gives us the strength to be able to do that. Next slide. The spirit of the Lord is on you, it is on me, because the Lord has anointed us. There's power and protection in that. To proclaim good news to the poor. To proclaim the good news that he has for them. He has sent you, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and release the prisoners from darkness. To put on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of despair. May the Spirit of the Lord reinforce that vision of mission that is unique to you, to the gifts that you have, to the background that you have, the age that you have, that you might be that conduit of joy and beauty for others. Let me encourage you just to take a minute to see the Save the Mother's Table at the back there and keep in touch with us. We've got a, w a website that you can uh, look at as well, savethemothers.org. Sign up for our newsletter. I also have a weekly blog, Gene uh, Chamberlain Froze, as well, too. Love to keep in touch with you through Facebook as well, too. Uh, we've got some masks. If you want to buy Save the Mother's Mask, copies of my book as well, too, and just some more information there as well, too. Mm -hmm.